Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Monday, October the 24th, 2022. It is currently 12 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, it's time for our Bible Study Exercise podcast series. If you were listening earlier, we did another episode for the Today's Focus podcast series. Still, that's a, still it's under development. It's still trying to be, I'm still trying to figure it out. But if you were listening, you notice that it very much connects to the Bible Study Exercise that we're currently involved in. Because yesterday, I introduced this week's Bible study exercise, and it's on 2 Timothy chapter 3. That is to be the chapter you live in this week. So I'm going to try, I'm going to try at times to keep the today's focus connected with other things we're doing, but just to focus in on one specific concept, one specific idea that you can think about throughout the day, but it doesn't distract you so much from the other things we're trying to do. I don't know if it's always going to work that way. I don't know if I can, if my strategy, my grand strategy, my grand scheme, my grand plan is all going to come together. I don't know if anyone will appreciate, oh, see, so if I listen to this, it's connected to this. And if I listen to this, it's connected to that. It, it would be great if I could always pull that off. But I will guarantee you this. I'm going to constantly try my best to give you many things to feed upon spiritually so that hopefully you will grow in your understanding, grow spiritually, and it will ultimately be spiritually beneficial for you to listen to this podcast and all the different podcast series that we try to produce. So I hope that that's what is occurring, and you can always let me know what you think is working and what you think is not working. For the Today's Focus podcast series, it's been about 50-50. 50% of the people love it. 50% of the people hate it. So... um it's it's kind of it's kind of divided right now, but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, I uh, sometimes you try something and people don't like it, but you. I think sometimes you have to stick with it to try to see what you can. Like you just continue to work it, mold it, shape it, and see what it turns into. And sometimes the people who hate it end up liking it. Sometimes the people who like it end up hating it. So you never, you really can't judge the initial thoughts, but you definitely want to listen to them. But for the Bible study exercise, let's get to it. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to try to get as much out of this chapter this week as humanly possible. I am going to try not to go into major, any major assignments, any major homework, only because people have worked so hard on the book of Amos. Now, now, if you're looking at the curriculum, remember Hosea is right there. So you may want to look at the curriculum and, and, and work a little bit on Hosea. But I, I just, I, I want to, I keep trying to balance it out. There'll be times there'll be these very intensive, deep, lots of homework kind of studies. And then there are times times it will be much more hopefully manageable and easy because you need that break. We need to change it up. And one of the things I try to do with the Bible study exercise is every chapter, every book, whatever we're studying has its own unique character and it requires a different approach. It requires different ways of thinking. Um, I mean, different. it's different genres of literature. Uh, the books have different purposes written by different people in completely different periods of time written to completely different people. So I don't, I don't think we should always approach 
approach every text the exact same way. I think sometimes in preaching, every every passage is preached with the same kind of structure, right? Here's the sermon template, and we bring that template to every passage. But there's no way you can bring the same approach to every passage. I just think that that does it's an, I think it's an injustice. I think it's, I think, I just think it's, it's not correct. You, you can give me your own theory on that. But Second Timothy chapter three, Paul writing to Timothy, trying to help this young man in the ministry, trying to prepare him. And Second Timothy chapter three, verse one begins with this phrase, this verse, these words, this no. All right, Timothy, I want you to know something, Timothy. I want you to know something, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Now, we can look at that phrase, last days. We could look at it. Some will argue that the last days Paul is referring to was Timothy never had to deal with them. Uh, Timothy... Timothy didn't have to deal with that because the last days Paul was referring to, it still may be even future for us. Some will say the, 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 the last, uh, the perilous times, the last days that Paul was referring to is underway right now. Everyone has their kind of theory and their perspective. Some people argue that if you look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, hey, in the last days, perilous times shall come. And then in verse 5, Paul writes to Timothy telling him, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away, that Paul was already describing that these things were already occurring in Timothy's day, that the last days that the perilous times had already come during Timothy's days. I, I don't know if that completely works. Some will argue that the phrase last days covers a period of time, basically from the first coming of Jesus all the way to the second coming. Some will say the last days really began after the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. So it goes from the ascension of Christ until the return of Christ. Some will say it will go from the ascension of Christ to the rapture. There's all these kind of, but most believe it's referring to a longer period of time. All right. Here's what I would say. We can argue all day over the Greek word for last days, the Greek phrase, how it's used in the Septuagint, how it's used in the Old Testament. You can look up every time last days is used throughout the entire Bible. We could spend hours, months trying to figure it out. And I don't know, everyone's going to have that, like, this is what it means. Here's what I think you need to, instead of arguing about, oh, so when is this going to happen? Well, we need to focus on what Paul is warning. He describes what the last days are going to look like. To me, I, instead of arguing when, 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 okay, even if we try to cover it's a period of time, even if we try to become specific, the real key here is not trying to figure out the meaning of the term last days. To me, the key is he describes what the last days look like and they're perilous times, dangerous. And, and, and I think that that's what we have to, I think that's what we have to focus on more than anything. So what I want to do today, what I want to do today is I want us to focus on the description of the last days. And, and you know the words very well, right? Second Timothy chapter three. So in the last days, perilous times shall come. Verse two, for men shall be lovers of their own selves 
covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses, which lead captive, silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts ever knowing and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the description. So whenever the perilous times, we can argue about that, but this is the description of exactly what it's going to be like. But there, there's, there's some real differences of opinions here. Oh, 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 there's so much we could do here. There's so much we could do here. Um, Let's do this. Let's do this. I'm going to go to the curriculum just to show you exactly how this is typically handled. All right? Um, okay, here we go. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. This is, this is from the curriculum, and I'll just show you how this is typically handled. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, they quote what we just read. This, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Now listen to exactly what they write. The very next words, sin abounds in our culture. Instantaneously, what they, after giving this list, they immediately point you to the culture. Say, look, look, sin abounds in our culture. Now, let's see what else they have to say. What the apostle, what the apostle Paul wrote 2,000 years ago certainly describes our 21st century culture. Phrase by phrase, we can recognize the sin and vices. Immediately, they're like, no, what Paul is writing is about the sins of the culture. Not he, th that's, that's where the attention becomes. So then this is how it's written. Hey, to Christians, to Timothy, to everyone, pastors, churches, deacons, Sunday school teacher, believer, everyone. Hey, perilous times are coming. And this is what the culture is going to look like. Those perilous times. Those dangerous, difficult times, right? And we, and we could spend some time looking at that Greek word, perilous times. There, there's, there's some things we want to work on there, but we won't, we won't look at that right now. But these perilous times, these are the times it's, it's, go, you're going to know that they exist by looking at the culture. That the, the key to understanding them is the culture. That's how everyone, not, I'm not everyone, but that's how many approach this. Look to the culture. So in other words, you want to know how bad the world is? You want to know if the perilous times are here? Watch the news. Re well, I don't know if anyone reads the newspaper anymore. Look at a newspaper on your, dig on your uh, iPad. Okay, you get the idea. Look at what's going on in the culture. Look at the news. Watch the world around you. Look at the movies. Listen to the music. There you go. That tells you the perilous times are here. And I believe that that is a 1,000% incorrect approach to the text. And I think I can prove it with the text. All right? I, th I think I can prove it with the text. Because if you look at the language here, there's no way this is describing the culture. 
There's just no way because the culture it's describing has been like that since really the beginning, right? Uh, from, from the beginning after the fall, I'll go from all the way from the fall moving forward. This is basically described the culture. But look, there, there's phrases here that tells me that, that Paul is not telling Timothy, hey, 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 look, 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 pay attention to the, look at the culture, look at the culture. I don't think that's what he's doing. Look at here. Look at the words. We've talked about this many times. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Now look, listen carefully. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. That's described the lost world since the fall. That describes the sinful nature. Covetous, that describes the sinful nature. Boaster, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and holy. Without natural affection, we see all the way that in Genesis, right? We see that, okay, uh, uh, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. You see that all the way with Cain and Abel, right? Traitor, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Now stop right there in verse 4. That's got to be the hermeneutical key here. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God? That's going to describe the last days? And that and, and, and we're going to see that in the culture? When has the lost world ever loved God more than pleasure? Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. How could that be a, de- a description of the culture? The lost world, lost people never have loved God more than pleasure. They've always loved pleasure more than God. That makes absolutely no. Hey, in the last days, the culture, that culture that usually loves God uh, more than pleasure, well, all of a sudden it's going to flip. Boom, it's going to switch. And all of a sudden the culture is going to start loving pleasure more than God. That makes absolutely zero sense. So the only way to understand 2 Timothy 3 is that Paul is telling Timothy, this is what's going to happen in the church. The perilous times describes what the Christian church is going to begin to look like. That within the church, within the church, Men are going to be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitor, heavy, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. See, once again, that doesn't describe the culture, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sin and, uh, and, lay, and lead away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is going to, de- the perilous times describes the condition of the church. Don't look to the culture. Don't look to Netflix. Don't look to music streaming services. Don't look to Hollywood. Don't look to the culture. Don't look to politics. Look in, at the, what's happening in the church. You just keep your eyes on what's going on within the, 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 we'll call it the corporate church, the, the church at large, the church in general, and it's going to start looking like that. Now, on one hand, this is going to raise some serious problems for the average Christian because we're told to turn away from this. Well, if we turn away, where is that going to take? If the church turns into that, where is the average Christian going to end up? That, that, this is a serious question. Now, what does Paul tell Timothy to do? 
All right. What does Paul tell Timothy to do? Okay. Well, look at this. Verse, uh, verse 10, 2 Timothy 3.10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. All right, so when things get bad, worse, bad, they go from bad to worse in the church. Perilous times show up in the church. You continue in the things which you have learned. Please note, continue the things in which you have learned. Um, uh, say, and, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make these wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good work. When the church is falling apart, when the perilous times comes into the church, and you even have to turn away from these people who have an appearance of godliness, but they deny the power thereof, they now love pleasure more than God, they're, they're sneaking in and leaving Leading silly women astray as uh, as with diverse lust. That's the way this, the uh, the Bible describes it. When this is happening, you just remember what you've learned and you grab onto the scriptures. You don't let go of the scriptures. In other words, your res- response to this has to be scriptural. You hold on to the scriptures. The church may fall into complete disarray. You hold on to it. You hold on. Now, I know someone's going to say, but but wait a minute, wait a minute. The church, the gates of hell will not uh, be victorious over the church. I understand that. I understand that. But in perilous times, the church is going, I mean, clearly this has to be describing the church. It doesn't make any sense to describe the culture. The, the culture is all of a sudden going to love pleasure more than God. That's always been the lost culture. Wait, the culture is going to have a form of godliness, but deny the power. That's the church. That's not the, the culture is not going to maintain a form of godliness. Do you see the culture running around today having a form of godliness? No, they're abandoning everything really. They're not going to church. They're dropping out of church. They're, 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 we're, I mean, I've even saw, I saw an article today about, about uh, the post-Christian America. We, we it, the form of godliness is, is dissipating. It's going away. But where is it always maintained? Inside the church. There will always be a form of godliness inside the church. Everything about the perilous times is describing the church. So your job is to hold on to the word of God. Now, what are the what are the ramifications from that? I don't know. I, I, I did some podcast episodes a long time ago, maybe a year ago, two years ago, where there was they they did some discussion about what is the church going to look like when the perilous times get here. Is is it going to be a corporate church? Or is it going to be a, a like? A local church on the on the on the corner, or is church going to take on a whole new shape? Because all these churches are going to be well, they're going to they're going to be described right here in Second Timothy three. That is a serious, serious, serious question with major ramifications, especially if you and I live to see these perilous times. Now, I know people will debate. Well, they've already been here; they're going to be here. Well. Whatever you want to do with it, I, whatever you see now, I think it's only going to get worse. My eschatology says everything's going to get worse. So 
this this becomes like what what we have to do. It, it doesn't sound like there's an easy solution. Remember what you taught and hold on to the word of God. The word the word of God. The, please note, it's the word of God. I think this is very important to remember. It is the word of God that is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good work. It's not the church that is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good work. Now, some people may say you're di- you're diminishing the importance of the local church. No, what I'm trying to say is it's going to, it has to be the scriptures. The church is always made up of sinful men, fallible men who fall and, and we could, like, I am a sinner, you're a sinner. Every church is made up of sinners. And we are clearly that the church is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. But it's the word of God that never changes. It's the word of God that's infallible. It's the word of God that's unmovable. It's the word of God that stands because it maintains, it's the word of God. So therefore it reflects the character of God. God is immutable. God is unchanging. His word is, God is infallible. It maintains the character of God. So when the, when the church is slowly unraveling, we have to have something to grab onto. It is the word of God. I think that's very, very important. And I want you to really, really think about it because it's just, it's kind of frustrating, but yeah, the everything here, in fact, if you just look at the the way that the, uh, I'll just read some more from the curriculum. Indeed, we live in a time of spiritual anarchy. Sin abounds in our culture because sin thrives in every human heart. None of us is immune from the innate desire to approach the symphony of life in our own way. We all want to march in the rhythm of our own drums, but we do not pursue this moral independence without changing effects, damaging effects. When humans operate as if there is no universal standard of belief and behavior, negative consequences result. We hurt ourselves by our behavior, and far too often we hurt others as well. We fight over over which ideology and which uh, and way of life is best, and we ultimately end up lacking a love for what is good. Without God, humanity is like a giant orchestra where everyone plays his or her own song while following worldly conductors of their own choosing. Sin flourishes in our culture, but should not su- but should not surprise us. Christian followers have experienced difficulties when sin abounds. We should not be shocked by it. As Christians, we live in a culture that is in conflict with God's word. See, he, they, they focus it all on the culture. So their picture is this. We're sitting in the church. We're all basically, you know, we're, we're decent. We're godly. We're holy. We're righteous. That world is bad, 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 bad. That's how we know the perilous times have arrived. So then it's the church basically figuring out how to deal with these evil, the evil culture. I don't believe that's the picture Paul is writing to Timothy. I think he's saying, Timothy, you're going to be sitting in the church. You're going to be ministering to the church. And guess what's going to happen? The church is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. You don't forget what you've been taught and you hold on to the word of God. You hold on to the word of God. And if you go back to 2 Timothy, go back to 2 Timothy. 
Look, look immediately. Look at, look at, and I think if you see 2 Timothy chapter 4, it may, I think it proves my theory, 2 Timothy chapter 4. So, so after all of that in 2 Timothy 3, perilous times are coming. It's going to be bad. 2 Timothy chapter 4, then immediately what he tells him, I charge you therefore, therefore, based on how bad things are going to get, uh, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at the appearing at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. See, the church is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and its behavior, its, its actions, its morality. And then they're going to reject the word of God and they're going to turn to teachers who will give them what they want. And what does Paul tell Timothy? You continue to preach the word in season and out of season. No matter if everyone leaves, no matter if your church goes from 500 to four, no matter if it goes from 100 to 5. Now, many cases when the numbers drop, drop dramatically, people close the doors and everybody goes home. You're going to have to have small places where the, where you will continue to preach the word as the larger churches become, and I'm not saying every large church, hear what I'm saying, but if, you, if we follow the, the teaching here, the church is going to just fall apart. It's going to disintegrate and and the church at large. Now, there's still going to be, obviously, believers who are clinging to God's word, and they will meet, but the church is going to, I think the, the future of the church is not going to be a church on every street corner with a big steeple and a, you know, a million dollar campus with fun food and activities. It's going to have to turn into something different. But the thing is, when it's all falling apart, you have to cling to the word of God. I believe 2 Timothy 3 is describing perilous times as it relates to what's going to happen inside the church. That's my hypothesis. That is my theory. And I know it goes against most of the preaching and teaching on the text. I just don't think anything else works. Because you're telling, Paul's telling Timothy, hey, you're going to look around and all of a sudden one day, the culture, they're going to start loving pleasure more than God. That makes absolutely no sense. The culture has always loved pleasure more than God. In fact, most of the time, Christians love pleasure more than God. But this would be a wholesale, like Christians now have abandoned a love for God for pleasure. That is where we are headed. We may already be there in certain ways, but you, only you can look at the condition of the church. And see, the church has always struggled with all of those things. All of those things have been, the church has always struggled. You may not believe it's true, but the church has always struggled with all of these things. Lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Look at the church at Corinth. The church has always struggled with those things. Always will because sinners are there. So when the church gets worse and worse and worse, you have to have preachers who are like, with or without offense to friend or foe, I'm going to preach the Bible exactly as it goes. And if I lose my job or the church shuts down because everyone leaves, so be it. Now, that's easy to say. 
That's I, I can I can sit here behind a microphone and not talk all big and brave. Okay, but when your livelihood is at stake, that's that's a whole different thing. It's going to require Christians actually supporting ministries because uh, because so many people will leave, so many people won't support. So I want you uh, for the Bible study exercise. I just want you to I want you to just you can test my hypothesis. What do you think? Do you think Second Timothy three is describing the church, or do you think it's describing the culture? The curriculum that you have available to you, and if you're listening and you're new, if you would like access to the curriculum, just email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I'll send you a link. You have access, and there's two, two curriculums, right? One currently is dealing with Hosea. The other one here is dealing with 2 Timothy. Please use both and uh, make good use of them, but there you go. That's what I want. That's what I want to look at. I, I, I do want to work. Um, let's see here. Can I do this? Let me see here. I don't think I have. I don't know if I want to do this. Um, I, I did a little bit in today's focus on the, uh, the Greek word for perilous, t- perilous times. Uh, the Greek word was this. Strong's G, 5467. Chalipas. 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 Perilous times. And, and we did a little bit of work on that. And, and, I, and I guess the thing that I really want to focus on is, is uh, Chalipas shows up in Matthew 8, 28. When he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce so that no man might pass by him. Because Holipos, perilous times, it's going to be fierce. It's going to be a difficult time that's going to take away people's strength. It's going to be hard to handle. And that, to me, describes a perilous times in the church. You're going to be in the church, and all of a sudden you're going to feel like you're losing your strength. It's going to be hard to handle because with those within the church are going to be like, you're going to be like, what is happening here? But the, the thing is, some believe because, and, and I think it's Warren W. Worsby who did this, perilous times, holipos, because it's used in Matthew 8, 28, and those were two possessed with devils. They're, they're the country of the Gergesenes. They, they meet, they're met, met him, two possessed with the devils coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce. Some say, well, the perilous times, that's going to be demonically inspired or demonically strengthened because, well, Holipos is used in Matthew 8, 28. I think that's a question, that's a questionable cross reference. That's where you're cross referencing and you're drawing conclusions. I think it's just describing it's going to be a fierce time. Um, but you, you can look at that and see what you think. Is there any significance that Holipos is used to describe the two demon possessed people when they came into the country of the Gergesenes? And I know some say Gergesenes, some say Gergesenes. Uh, but I, I think it's Gergesenes is the way to pronounce it. But I, I think I've heard it said Gergesenes or Jergesenes, I think is how one I've heard it pronounced. I've heard it pronounced many different ways, but just so that you know, I just don't think there's a connect. I think it's interesting, though, that the Greek word is used in that context because it describes how fierce, how dangerous that these perilous times are going. To, like we just see sometimes we think perilous times are just going to be it's just going to be difficult. I think we need to understand that it's going to be dangerous. It's going to be, it's going to, it's going to 
in a sense, reduce your strength. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard to comprehend what is happening. I think if you think the church is in bad shape now, wait till you see perilous times actually arrive. The church is going to look like something you're not even going to be able to comprehend. That's I truly believe that. I truly believe that. I, be, I believe the church is just going to get worse and worse and worse. Everyone talks about how bad the culture is going to get. But we never seem to talk about what the church is going to look like. And if my hypothesis is right, the Second Timothy 3 is really describing what the church is going to look like. And if you go into Second Timothy chapter 4, I think I can ver- I think I can prove that. Well, we've got we got to prepare, we've got to completely change our way of thinking. We've got to completely change our way of thinking. About ministry, about everything. Many already feel like the church is so bad that they don't even want to go back. There's We got listeners who don't attend church and say there's no church in their area, and, they, and they're, they're tired of the local church. They're, they already feel like it's already reached that point, and at least in certain areas of the country. I, I have said this, and I hope it doesn't come, come across spiritually arrogant, but I've said before that if my church didn't exist, I don't know what I would do in this area. I mean, and I say that only because when I came back to Texas in this area in 2000, we, 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 I wasn't a pastor yet. We were looking for church after church after church, and it was horrifying what we were discovering and finding. Now, there may be some churches that have come on board since then, but I would be, whew, I don't know what I would do. I don't know what I would do. Now, others wouldn't have a problem. They'd be like, hey, your church, I can just go to another. They wouldn't have a problem. But for me, I would be like, what is happening here? What is happening here? So what do you think about my theory? Second Timothy 3. Now you can look you you can work on perilous times you can you can you can listen to days of focus and and the gergesenes and the demons there but um oh there there's much more I would like to say there but I just want you to really I guess for the bible study exercise I just want you to test my theory perilous times and if it is the church I really want you to just contemplate I'm not giving you any specific assignment I just want you to contemplate what does that mean what is that going to look like All right. There you go. Spend some time in 2 Timothy chapter 3. But but I don't but I do want you to realize this. If we do come to if we're in agreement that the perilous times describes the church, then we're kind of given at least what we're supposed to do. Don't forget what we've been taught and hold on to the word of God. If you need doctrine, what you're going to have to do, if you need doctrine, you're going to look to the church. Or not, you're going to look to scripture, not to the church. You need reproof, you're going to look to the scripture, not to the church. You need correction, you're going to look to the scripture, not to the church. You need instruction in righteousness, you're going to look to the scripture, not to the church. Because that's how you're going to be thoroughly furnished on all, to all good work. It's going to be the scriptures that you look to, not the church. If, 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 if. This describing perilous times. And once those perilous times come, perilous times show up, you're not going to be able to look to the church for this. Now, you could argue, well, should we ever look to the church for those things? Well, in some ways we should, 
But the church is always in flux. The church is always, the church is not immutable. It's mutable. The church is always, there's corruption always inside the church. There's always sin. There's always failure. There's always upheaval. Throughout 2,000 years of church history, the church is constantly changing doctrine, theological positions. New fads come and new fads go. The one thing that is untouched by all of it is the word of God. That's why you need the scriptures. The, the, the curriculum for this Bible study, right? The curriculum for this Bible study is called, let's see, what's it, what are they calling this study? Why we need God's word. Well, why we need God's word in 2 Timothy 3 is because perilous times is coming to the church. All right. You can let me know your thoughts. News, if at yahoo.com. News, if at yahoo.com. That's news, if at yahoo.com. All right. Um, let's see here. I'm going to look at the curriculum really quick. Um. Okay, yes, we'll, we'll, there's a couple of points they make here. We'll, we'll be able to, we'll be able to pull from that. We'll be able to pull from that. And it may, it may show up, uh, it may show up in the, uh, today's focus. Just remember today's focus, I'm going to try to maintain a connection with the Bible study exercise. But, um, the, the Greek word there for perilous times, dangerous, fierce, just do you think there's any connection there to the fact that when the two when they go into the Gergesenes, the two demon possessed men are there and they're fierce using the same word? I think the only connection is the perilous times is going to be a violent, fierce, dangerous, horrible time inside the church. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. We'll see what else we can get accomplished today. But uh, there you go. Thanks for listening. God bless.